So it's finally happened. Alvaro Bautista's been beaten in a World Superbike race this season. Steve Ings and Gordon Ritchie from Imola. And we're sitting here on Sunday morning just as warm-up starts. And uh, Gordo, we're after seeing, finally, Alvaro Bautista's run of success come to an end. But uh, what do you make of the race? Uh, I mean, it's fantastic that we've got a different winner from a neutral's point of view. Uh, we needed it. After last year, especially when everybody was winning in green, and uh, this year everybody's winning in red. But the race itself was uh, the usual uh, format. It seems this year that one rider gets his set up better than everyone else and goes away. We had Alvaro in second, and we had a fantastic fight for the final podium place. Um, the unfortunate thing is I think we were robbed a little just because of technical problems. Uh, when Chaz went out and then when Sykes went out, we were both sitting in good positions at the time. So it would have been really fascinating to see how Chaz and Jonathan would have got on up front because I do think that everybody believed that Chaz was going to be the guy that could be the biggest threat to Jonathan yesterday rather than um, in Alvaro, which is another new development. And that was one of the big things, Gordon, because here at uh, Imola, it's such a tough technical track. It's difficult to learn. There's undulations. There's a lot of blind corners. There's a lot of places where you need to have that experience of having raced here in Imola. And obviously for Bautista, first time coming here, he was always going to be on the back foot for for this weekend. And uh, Chaz, obviously a lot of success here in the past. This is always a track that he goes well at. It was expected he'd make that step here. Yes, if he was going to make the step, he was going to do it here. Uh, I think he's also, after they tested here, found a bit of a, a breakthrough, maybe not completely, but he's certainly a lot more comfortable, that's what he said, um, on the bike. Uh, and I think that obviously showed this weekend. He and Bautista did test. Bautista has had laps here, but they got half a day in the dry and a few laps in the wet. So he's actually quite well prepared for today. Um, but Bautista, it just shows you how difficult Imola is with 22 corners in the lap and four chicanes where the Ducati's not its best and they have to muscle it and it, to use their words, it's, it, they have some stability issues. Um, it was always going to be a difficult place for Alvaro and it was always going to be a good place for Chaz if he arrived ready for the race with a good setup, which is what's been missing this year. He's just not been happy, comfortable, able to ride the bike the way he wants. He's brought the bike to him after that test and it showed very strongly this weekend that uh, at one of his favourite tracks, Chaz was able to really do it. At Aragon, which is another one of Chaz's favourite tracks, he wasn't as potent as he appeared to be and they're up to the first race here because he just wasn't as far along in getting to know the new bike as much as he did. So, Imola is a perfect place for Chaz to have found a setup good enough to let him run at the front. It was just a, a shame that he had some illogical or whatever problem yesterday that stopped him uh, actually showing what he could do. Yeah, and for Davis, obviously, that's a big disappointment because it comes at a time whenever he needs that bit of a lift. But taking the Super Bowl victory in the qualifying yeah. session at least it shows that he's got that speed again and he definitely looks very different on the bike this weekend as well like we heard Bautista talk about the instability but Chaz looks really smooth this weekend yes and I think they've made some changes to the bike um, from what I understand there's some things where they've gone backwards to go forwards to, to help Chaz um, and you can just see he's, he's much more like his old self he's got a very very different bike under him this year um, and it's taken him arguably longer to get used to it 
than it has Batista because Batista was racing a, a, a V4 racer, the V4 Ducati last year. Uh, there's an awful lot of similarities in philosophy and in some aspects of design from the GP bike to the, to the road bike. Why wouldn't Ducati use all that experience to make an amazing road bike? Um, so therefore, uh, Chaz needed a bit of needed about a time to get used to the bike but the Super Pole was fantastic you said you just see him just aggressive without being over the limit and it was great to see because we need as many riders up the sharp end as possible this year not just our Avaro versus Jonathan idea we need to have as many of those top riders rising to the level that's been set in the early season by Alvaro. Yeah, and you were chatting to Chaz earlier in the weekend and asking him about changing your riding style and Chaz is pretty adamant that a rider can't change his style, he can make adjustments, but the same basic style will always stay the same. Yes, and he's very uh, vociferous in that opinion um, and I understand exactly what he means by it, but um, I think he, he, he has had to change some aspects of it, simply because he's got a different bike underneath him. He, he's not going to ride any different from Chaz Davis rides 99% but even that 1% you know that's what has been arguably missing from from Chaz's performances in the start of the year as well as an awful lot of track time I mean it's been it's been such an unlucky off season for Chaz he is really now catching up it's round 5 and now we're seeing Chaz the way it is and you know I don't know if that's any Chaz's fault it's just been circumstance um, but he's his riding style is very Everybody's riding style is exactly the same, but for example, Leon Haslam uh, is having to change his riding style to suit the way the bike seems to work best in Kawasaki. They're currently having a bit of an issue, with a lot of problems yesterday in the race, because the, the back end of the bike's not doing what he wants, because his riding style for the last few years is the zero electronics involved. So he's put as much of himself into it as he can, braked as hard as he can, as late as he can in trail brakes. His bike's pushing him into the corners apparently that's what he said was the only problem he had yesterday and he couldn't pass people so riding style yes you can't change it Chaz is right but if the bike is demanding that you do it then maybe you have to modify it in some ways it's not changing it it is modifying it it's tweaking it around the edges we'll get to Jonathan Ray and his victory in a minute but just going back to the other side of the Ducati pit box to Alvaro Bautista obviously today Sunday we're recording this during morning warm up it's been raining outside damp track if we end up having a wet race here today Bautista's obviously going to be on the back foot for that you said that he's done some laps here in the rain but it's such a difficult track at the best of times to try and understand everything about it in a wet race really difficult this could be a weekend where he slips up a little bit and there are points to be gained on him I mean we'll see what happens but ultimately this is easily the trickiest track that Alvaro's been to not just because it's new but because for any rider this is a difficult place it's very narrow relative to most of the modern tracks it's actually quite funny on TV when you look at it and you imagine it being Aragon or another track this must be 3-4 metres narrower than um, any modern track any brand new built track Um, and it's it's a fairly hairy place, Imola. It's an incredible challenge to, to the rider. Um, and Alvaro himself has said he's, he's still working through the, the, the intricacies of it. Jonathan said that. There's tricks and things that you learn here over the years that you, you it takes years to learn. Um, it's almost like riding a mini TT here, in a very small way. It's like you have to learn every single nuance or else you will lose a tenth here and a, and, and a hundredth there. You add it all up over 22 corners. Um, and, I, and I also think it's, it's ultimately not the best place for 
the V4 Ducati as it stands now. They're still learning their way through that bike. So Alvaro's the bike that's been able to take him, no matter what the track, no matter whether it's a flat track like Chang, uh, an open track like Assen, or any other racetrack so far, everywhere we've been we thought, well, maybe the other guys have got a chance the combination of Alvaro and Ducati's been better. Here, it seems plainly not. It's just not as, as potent as it, it's showing up one of the, the few issues that the bike seems to have, which is stability, under braking and going through the corners. It's, he doesn't feel the bike stable. So imagine trying to learn this incredibly tricky track on a bike which, for the first time all year, is not you know, responding to your every whim. Um, it, it's a difficult place. And the undulations, I mean, you're always off camber, on the brakes and the, trying to push it, you're, you're having to go side to side. It's incredibly difficult for, for Alvaro to, to learn this track, I think. And the difficult for another Ducati rider to learn this track as well. We've got Tommy Bridewell here this weekend. And yeah. Tommy, obviously, he raced here, he said, in Supersport or Stock 600. And uh, I think he might have raced in... He's raced Stock, and I think he actually rode here. I haven't checked this yet. I haven't done a final uh, written reports this weekend, obviously, yet. So I haven't had the chance to go back and check it or speak to him yet. But... I think he raced a superbike here, or practiced in a superbike here. Well, I had a look. To go and check. I had a look through the records, and whenever he raced in the Italian Championships, it was when Imola was being renovated. Ah, okay. So maybe so he came here for a test or something. Right, okay. But as far as I know, only on a super right. sport bike is the only time he's ridden here. So okay. you're looking back 12 years or whatever for Absolutely. Tommy, and suddenly you come to Imola, yeah. and uh, you've got to learn a whole new bike. The Go 11 Ducati is very different to a BSB spec Ducati, very different to factory Ducati spec and you've had to come here you lose FP1 FP2 he had a technical problem in FP3 so pretty much the first proper lap he did was in the Super Bowl session and in the races he ends up finishing 12th oh, I think he, he did amazingly well um, it just shows you um, when somebody comes and gets an opportunity and concentrates what can be done it just shows you how good a modern day racer uh, and, and obviously he's a very good racer uh, can adapt but it's, it's like a fairy story it's, it's fantastic that he's it's horrible why he's had the chance but for a guy to come in and and he's certainly grabbed it with both hands and 12th even in a race where there was a few people ahead of him finished as it always it didn't finish um, that, that was incredibly impressive yesterday it really was I, I, um, I wish we'd seen more of it on TV to be honest yeah I thought like uh, for Tommy to just close the gap all the way through the race on Keo and on um, Hector Barber as well two experienced riders and to just keep edging his way close to them was really impressive and to pick them off finish 12th really good job and puts him in that position where he could keep that seat obviously Eugene Laverty with two fractured wrists from this week you'd imagine Eugene's going to be out for a pretty long period of time yes I mean it's it's both wrists it's different injuries in each wrist um, yeah it was a very uh, nasty crash that Eugene had and your wrists your hands are where you transfer most of the force through the bike um, that's not that doesn't look like a short recovery to me um, and who's going to ride the bike next there's been a few names that obviously there was a uh, potential for other riders to ride this weekend but they either weren't available or too short notice or whatever um, for an Italian team like them they might want to try and put an Italian rider on it but if there's no clashes and it's a, a possibility why not him absolutely because already 
whatever happens today already he's shown that he can he can run in that area of the field on a bike which again is going to be different spec from from anything he's got in the UK. Yeah, I asked Tommy whether or not he'd be able to do it. Obviously, BSB doesn't have a clash until the very end of the season for the final round of Brands. He's got probably a Suzuka programme on the cards as well. So I was asking him, like, just like, how busy is it going to be? And he's there like, you know what, I'd rather be riding than going to the gym. So if that's the option, he definitely wants to do it. And I was asking him as well, just about how important it is to feel wanted by Ducati. And like you've seen it as well, Gordo, where over the last few years, anytime Gigi Delini is here in the Superbike paddock, he's going between all the Ducati riders, he's going through all the Ducati teams, yeah. making sure that they all feel that support. And uh, Bridewell was saying pretty much the moment he landed, the moment he came into the paddock, he had Paolo Chiabadi and Gigi Gelinia down in the box, making sure he was settling in okay. And that makes a big difference for a rider. Yes, I mean, Ducati's got a new bike. It's actually going to be their range of bikes for the next few years. This is the biggest change Ducati's ever had. They are very keen to make sure that A, the project works in terms of technology and, and racetrack performance, but they also want to get people to adopt their bike everywhere and make it a success everywhere. This is what built Ducati into the company as now that allowed them to move into MotoGP was success for on racing and then selling to customers. Um, and I think they want to go back to that. Maybe we'll never go back to the days we did where you could guarantee just to go and buy a Ducati, get a good guy to look after the engine and, and that was you. You could compete at the very top level right away. Um, but Ducati really believe in this project and they want their new V4 uh, race bike and road bike project and they want to uh, show that everybody can be competitive on it. Up to now that hasn't quite happened but again we've covered Chaz and other teams have gone in a different technical direction whether through sponsorship reasons or ideas of trying to get their own uh, advantage but there's three different sets of suspension only suspension between the four Ducatis the four regular Ducatis in this uh, championship now so they have to put a bit, of, a bit of extra effort in to help those guys that are not running exactly what the factory guys are it's not like they're transferring everything down the road um, so the Ducati are taking this very seriously. Superbike is still an important thing for Ducati, even though MotoGP is obviously the much bigger thing and the much more publicised thing. But I spoke to uh, Paolo Chibati yesterday at great length and he underlined that, you know, this is a, a, a Superbike thing and it's a Superbike thing for Ducati to try and break into every one of the major championships, all the domestic championships as well as the as World Superbike. Yeah, obviously first and second in BSB at the moment, and uh, Tommy Bryant leading that championship. And uh, with the Northwest 200 coming next, obviously Alistair Seeley on the V4 or there. So I remember talking to Gigi last year here in Imola, just after Glenn Irwin had won the Northwest 200. And I was asking Gigi, like, how important is it to win in the Northwest? And he said that winning anywhere Ducati hasn't won before is the most important thing. And they want to make sure that they're making all those efforts. That's why you'd imagine that long term, they're going to try and see if they're able to use this bike and Suzuki eight hours as well and different things. And it really opens up a lot of new programs for Ducati. Yeah, to the words out of my mouth there, Suzuki 8 Hour is the next big thing. Um, if Ducati were to go there and be successful there, even win there, it would be, I mean, just amazing because Ducati have, in some ways, been limited by the V-Twin. It's not the ideal platform for going endurance racing, for example, 24 hour or any other kind. It wasn't ever really the best way to go TT or road racing. The, the four cylinders and so on seem to always just be better or whatever. I don't know why, but, um, but the V4... Now they can, 
they should be able to compete in any class at any level um, because they've got the ideal race. A V4 engine, ask any engineer and 90% of them will say that the ideal way to go racing is a V4 and that's what they've got now. Um, and I, I can only imagine that they'll be desperate to win every race they haven't done and compete in championships they haven't done because now I think they, they realise they can. In the past, maybe it was difficult to see them winning endurance races on a V-twin. And uh, so that sort of sums up what's happening with Ducati. We'll talk about Kawasaki in another moment because we've got an interview with Leon Haslam at the end of the show. But before we get to that, we'll talk about the podium battle as well because we got to see Tom Sykes on that uh, BMW. He had a pretty safe third place in the bag there really before a technical problem. And then we had a big fight with Toprak Razgadioglu, Michael van der Mark, Leon Haslam. And then just behind that, we had Marco Melandri and Alex Lowe's as well. And... Uh, Good fight and battle from Lowe's in this race, considering he's been pretty sick all the way through the weekend. But the real focus had to be on Top Rack and Vandermark. That was a great scrap. It was fantastic. And the thing is, when you when you look back at it, it's like Top Rack realised he had to win that. He had to win the battle in the second last lap because he also knew there was Haslam behind who was going to be harrying both of them. So, as he said afterwards, after his and uh, his debrief yesterday. He really gave it everything he could in the last lap to make sure that he didn't have Michael close enough to be challenging him. And that's the way it worked out. He ended up making that little break away from Michael, which left Michael worrying maybe as much about Haslam coming behind as putting a move on top right as he had been all those uh, previous laps when they were, were dicing and passing. And it was thrilling. It's fantastic. I mean, this year we've had some brilliant races. They haven't just they just haven't been for first. They've usually been for the other podium places. Um, but we've had some great races this year and that was the belt and, and Imola there's just something special about seeing it's such a one line track there is an ideal line at Imola that because everything flows into each other so much so when they start fighting they have to start doing you know visually dramatic things to, to, to make sure someone either doesn't pass or try to get past it's not an easy place to there's lots of opportunities to pass here there's a lot of opportunities immediately afterwards for the other guy to come back at you. You can go past to the bottom of the Revatsas and that just means the other guy's got the line to come past you before the next Revatsa and the exit there and all, all of those big chicanes. There's just endless opportunities to pass or try or push or pressurise. Um, and it was a great battle yesterday. It was, it was fantastic to see. And top rack, uh, I think everybody expected more podiums from him this year than last year. He got a couple last year. Um, and he certainly did I mean he, he seemed more relieved than anything else yesterday to get his, his first podium um, and he said oh we need more we need more so you never know it, it, this consistency doesn't seem to be the strongest suit for, for him or his team um, but, you know repeating them it can sometimes be like he was 11th in, I think he was 11th in Super Bowl there's, there's, you know they need to find if they could find consistency they'd be fine a little bit yeah and I went down and I was chatting to the team just to find out what was the problem in the Super Bowl session because Top Rack looked really good in Friday practice and obviously made a big step in the race, but the Super Bowl session didn't work out right. And the, the team said that there was a, an issue with the bike and basically outside of Top Rack's control. But once they were able to rectify that, suddenly click of the fingers and he's right back on the pace. And that's the big thing for Top Rack because if you look at Australia, he was really aggressive in the test in Australia. Like when I was out watching at Stoner Corner and he was so just nasty to his bike through there. Come back in the end of the first day and the team is saying, you can't ride like that. You need to try and calm down. You need to be more consistent. You need to be more patient. Tuesday, the exact same. He's just riding it top rack style all the way. 
again the team spend Tuesday night they spend Wednesday saying alright calm yourself down you've got to try and be a bit smoother go in on the Friday he's still riding like that and then suddenly on the Saturday it clicked and he was calmer and he got good results in Australia because he was able to ride with all the talent that everyone knows Top Rack has but just not quite be at that have to be at 100% all the time if he's able to take it down that little step suddenly his results can be really good and if he's able to get consistency with Phil Marin as his crew chief they can have a lot of success over the second half of this year Absolutely and when he's happy he does look smoother even in that last lap yesterday when he was pushing to the maximum he actually looked quite relaxed on the bike he actually looks like a taller version of Jonathan sometimes you know he's all long levers because he's quite tall top rack but ironically the bike's doing everything underneath him but he looks quite when he's going really fast he does look very smooth um, and I think maybe just he's a younger rider he's, still, he's probably still just trying too hard you know you can't fault a guy for trying too hard but as you've, as you've indicated that sometimes you need to calm down a bit and, and think your way around the lap a bit to get a, a better result but uh, I mean he's a great talent top right I think if he ever gets consistency which hopefully he will get one day then he's going to be a top contender all the time because he's absolutely got the talent he can't finish on the podium on a privateer in a privateer team in this championship and not be a top rider have the potential to be an absolutely top rider. Yeah, and, and uh, Kawasaki have shown how important Top Rack is for them as well by drafting him in for the Suzuki 8 hours. It shows the kind of trust they have, and also it shows you want to see exactly what he can do whenever he's alongside Jonathan and Leon and use that as a comparison because we are at that stage of the year where contracts start to be talked about. Every rider's manager is in the paddock this weekend. They're all starting those chats for next season. Yeah, I mean, it gets earlier every year, the, the conversations about who's going to uh, go where. But I think Top Rack, more than anybody, would probably benefit from a full factory team. Um, he, he probably needs that uh, constant analysis and people who've been there and done it, rather than people who are, are still on their way up in some regards around them. Um, and, th- yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, to get all those things ironed out of his riding uh, won't be an easy job, even just through the language barrier. His English is much better than it used to be, but again, the subtleties are uh, still slightly beyond him. Um, but he's obviously making improvements all the time, and he's got a great crew chief now. I think the next level for him, if he's ever going to make it, is to get a factory level, not just for machinery, but it's that approach, it's the consistency, it's repeatability, it's the analysis that only a factory team can really do with extra staff and money and uh, and being a direct part of a development programme. Yeah, Gordo's just after saying there that riders' contracts, their discussions start earlier and earlier in the season, but Gordo, journalists, podcast hosts, commentators, our contracts talks seem to get longer and longer and it takes a lot longer to get everything sorted. So if anyone's looking for journalists, commentators, podcast hosts, make sure to drop us a DM on at Paddock Pass Pod. But uh, for the rest of those riders in that battle as well, Gordo, we saw again, Yamaha's made a big step because this was always traditionally yes. the toughest track on the calendar for them. Yes, it's strange because Yamaha is such a sweet turn and bike. That's usually its, uh, its biggest uh, asset. And there's a million tons at Imola, but it, it's never been the place where they've really shown. Um, it just shows you, it would be great to see how Alex could go if he wasn't ill, and I understand he's very ill. Um, but Van der Mark was right in the thick of it yesterday in the fight behind the two leaders. Um, yes, there was a big gap between the, the winner and, and the battle for the podium, but 
that was, you know, it, it's good to see Yamaha constantly, even though it, it's a it's a, a few years old bike now, but they still seem to be making progress and little bits of development at a time, moving on. It, it seems to be working. It's it's they're not winning, but they're it's working. Um, whatever they're doing is they're making the bike a little bit better and getting rid of all the, the any of the bad things about the bike. And here's a perfect demonstration that someone like Kamala. Um, and also, it's your, I think the thing yesterday was, again, Van der Mark wasn't really on anybody's radar for being a, a potential podium guy until the race. And then in the race, again, arrives Michael Van der Mark. He is, he is the absolute Sunday morning man, even if he's in a bad practice. He seems to be able to bring it together for races somehow. Um, well, I don't know whether that's frustrating or, 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 or happy for a team. I think one of the biggest factors in that is when you look at Vandermark, he always he rides very differently to his teammate. And Lowe's always seemed like he was trying to ride to what the Yamaha needs. It was all about being able to carry the corner speed, try and set your fast lap time, because that's his traditional riding style and the bikes. And it works well if you've got a clear track in front of you. Vandermark's always been one that if there's no overtakes we made, I'm making that and I'm not worrying about what happens after that. I'm just going to try and get in front of the lad in front of him. With, I think over the winter, one of the big changes Yamaha made was it was, let's try and make the bike where we can be more aggressive like that. Let's try and make the bike where it's a bit easier for riders to race with other guys around them to try and attack them. And we've seen that front ends change an awful lot on the bike in terms of how they set, set it up. It looks a lot more stable. You look at Lowe's and Vandermark in particular, they seem to have so much more confidence on the front now compared to what they had a couple of years ago. And it looks like for Cortesi and Melandri, they're in that stage where they're still trying to get the best from the Yamaha, not really the best that it needs to be to be able to race at the front. Yes, I mean, it's been very noticeable how Yamaha have basically treated the GRT team pretty much the same as the factory team in terms of parts and support and so on. It's, it's, it, it, the, 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 they should be closer and were closer at the start of the season. I think is still working out his uh, 600 riding style to, to be a superbike. A quite a tough weekend here, a crash, etc. Um, but ultimately, Melandri uh, is it seems to be in a bit of trouble. He was very unhappy yesterday, even though he scored sixth place. Uh, speaking to him afterwards, he was very unhappy with many details of, of the bike, etc. Um, I think the the gap between the factory guys and the the. The next team is now showing more. It's not reducing, it's growing, partly because the factory guys are moving on a bit um, and the other guys are, are, are just finding it a bit tougher. But they, they, Marco's got specific problems for Marco that he seems to have had in every bike he's had and Cortese is still finding his feet as a superbike rider, especially in races. He can put in fast laps and the riding style of a 600 will still let you do a fast lap in a superbike, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go 20 of them, 19 of them, 17 of them, however many you need to do in an individual race. And and again, Imola is a tough place. It must be really, it must be a, a, an eye-opener to be riding a superbike round here uh, when you only rode a 600 round here last year. It must have been an absolute eye-opener for them. And I'll tell you what, Gordo, another eye-opener. We've been nattering on for 25 minutes. We pushed Kawasaki to the end just because we want to link up with the interview with Leon Haslam as well. But we've been chatting away for 25 minutes. A lot happened here and we haven't even got to the race winner. Yeah, it's been a, a, a fantastically interesting weekend. Sometimes for bad things, sometimes for good things. All, but all, all for interesting things. Um, I, I think that 
seeing the, the the first one of the year from Ray at one of his, I think it's his, until yesterday it was his third best track in terms of wins and podiums combined. Uh, he's clearly got some connection here. When you saw Jonathan Ryden yesterday, even though he was obviously going as hard as he could, that's what he said, his, his, his whole strategy was just to get his head down, get to the lead and get his head down and go. He had no firm plan. When you saw Jonathan, even at the end of the race, he looked absolutely serene. When Jonathan's going fast, you'd no idea he's going fast except the bike's moving under him. He just sat, sits there, relaxed, almost with his head up out of the bubble sometimes. Um, and but he's he, that's when he you know he's really going fast is when he doesn't look like he's trying because he's got everything set up and he's maximising it and when the tyre changes he modifies it was fantastic to see the way he rode yesterday and to take to take his first win the joy in, in, with him and his team was just unbounded um, obviously they've got two more races this weekend to go um, but even right at the front it's been absolutely fascinating a change from every race so far uh, and I think that's partly down to the nature of this racetrack. It's uh, it's just one of those places that things happen, uh, good and bad. Imola is one of those places where it's not like anywhere else. It's old school, uh, and it's thrown up challenges to some riders that they're meeting now, um, and it's it's thrown up challenges to some riders that are, are, are struggling. It's always been that way. Um, and today, with the weather conditions, there'll be another new thing to, to try and get your head around. Obviously, Gordo, you've known Johnny all the way through his career since he came to the World Superbike Paddock, whether it was in the Supersport class or once he moved up to Superbikes. And like, I haven't seen him this determined in a very long time. Like You talk to him and he's, he's only got a one-track mind right now. He's really making a big effort to try and lose weight, to be fitter, to try and do all the things that, when you're successful they don't really matter everything falls into place and it doesn't really matter if you skip a training session but if you lose races suddenly if you're not doing two sessions a day or you skip anything suddenly you feel like that's made a big difference to why you're losing races yes um, Jonathan said that after Aston he went home and kind of had a word with himself um, he, he, he looked at it as a not a new way of doing it but a, a, he had to revise his way of, of thinking and it was it seems from what he said yesterday, it's purely a determination that I am going to win an Imola. I'm just going to win an Imola. What do I have to do to win an Imola? He said it was very unpleasant. It was a very unusual situation for him, given all the winning he did, especially towards the tail end of last year, to suddenly get beaten, and as he said, really beaten, by another guy that comes in from outside on a different bike, on a bike which is faster and, it's, and the guy's made it absolutely the maximum of. I mean, I'm probably guilty as much as anybody else of saying how, how strong the Ducati has arrived in, in World Superbike, but Batista's been at least as good as his bike um, and, you know, a, a really experienced guy. Jo- that's a new thing for Jonathan to deal with because in terms of everybody he's raced against in this paddock, he's kind of boxed them off one by one. He's got them all beaten one by one to the point whereby he was dominant last year and that changed absolutely 180 degrees over the winter. So that I think he's got over the shock now and it shows when he went home and changed, whether he changed his training regime a lot he certainly seemed to be more determined but he said that every minute that he after Assen all he thought about was how am I going to win how am I going to win how am I going to beat Allah how am I going to win how am I going to win and and he's he won now you know I don't think that's it's as simple as that but and it's also the fact that we'll come to Imola uh, which he knows every single trick of but it's I think the approach of the rider especially when things change around you has shown that riders like Jonathan 
has found a way to win um, when he's been soundly beaten in every single race so far, as is everybody else. So, as another dynamic for us to get interested in, can Jonathan keep this going? Can he now, he's done it at one of the, this track, can he do it at other tracks that maybe aren't as favourable for him and his, his set-up and his experience? Um, maybe he can now. Maybe uh, racing is all about head, ultimately, and, and confidence. Um, and he's obviously got some back after winning yesterday. I tell you what, I'd say that there's a lot of our listeners now whilst they're thinking, imagining, using that positive mental attitude saying, I'm going to marry a supermodel, I'm going to marry a supermodel, I'm going to marry a supermodel, I'm going to marry a supermodel. It hasn't worked for most of us, but it worked for Johnny, so that's the main thing. Yeah, but if you marry your first supermodel, you probably could imagine that you could marry a second one, and Johnny's won four world championships, so you can imagine that he might think it's capable of winning races, even against a suddenly uh, much better challenge than he's had to face before. So he's, he's now just got to go back to doing something he knows how to do. He's a said and done. I mean, the Ducati is a game-changing bike, but obviously... Uh, and Jonathan made changes to his bike setup as well. He started off in Aston, and I think he's gone back to just being happy riding the bike and confident riding the bike. And because of that, as we've seen before, Johnny can bring a bit extra. They, with a the new bike this year, they went in a slightly different setup direction to maximise the theoretical advantages of the extra revs and so on in the engine. Um, but I think Johnny seems to have co- gone back to whatever the actual settings are, ones that make him feel more confident and happy and able to ride more naturally. He's an old school rider, Jonathan. He likes to rail around the corners and, and, and be smooth and get all his pace that way. And against a bike which is just faster and accelerates harder, maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe that's the way you have to approach it. And that's what's going to be interesting for today's racing on the Sunday, whether or not in the rain, if we have full black conditions, what it's going to be like for Ray versus Bautista. Bautista, obviously, he's got some experience now in the wet here at MLA. He's got some experience with Pirelli wet tyres. But the rain is such a lottery at the best of times. You always have a few wild cards that just, it's their opportunity to come and do something. Riders that haven't been at the front can get to the front in the rain. It's going to be a really key couple of races this afternoon. Yeah, if it turns out to be as wet as we expect it to be, um, I think there's also going to be a lot of people who are going to be more prepared than the other guy to stick their neck out. Um, this is an old school track. The barriers are closer than they are at an absolutely brand new modern track. We shouldn't discount this as a, a factor. Um, so the, the wet is, is good, especially when you've had a period of some one guy winning all the time, because it always gives you that possibility, oh, somebody else might win. Um, and we could see some very strange, uh, not strange results, but we can see some different results now, and people having a chance to move up that haven't had a chance so far. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how it works. The, the track surface here is, is, all the riders think it's going to be quite slippy in the wet. Some some tracks, they, they maintain a good consistency in the wet. Here, although we won't know until it happens, uh, they're, they're not sure if it's going to be as, uh, it may be quite a slippy track, which is going to Again, change if you go out with the wrong electronic settings on, you could be cutting the engine too early. If it's too much wheel spin, you could be losing power. It's, it's a dance, it's absolutely a dance on the edge in the wet. Racing's always on the edge, but, but the wet just takes it up another 10 notches. Um, and it will have its own fascination.
Well, I'm excited for this afternoon's racing and uh, as you can clearly see Gordo is as well and we'll leave you with an interview with Leon Haslam Leon just talking us through his return to world SBK the comparison that he has between himself and Jonathan Ray and uh, a few other bits and pieces about adapting from British Superbikes back to world Superbikes so we'll leave you with Leon and uh, myself Steve English and Gordon Ritchie will see you again at the next round of world SBK in Hareth in a few weeks time Cheers Thank you Leon Haslam joining us on the Paddock Pass podcast and uh, Leon we're sitting here in Imola on the Thursday but uh, obviously when you look back on the opening four rounds of the season it's been a little bit up and down for you yeah not kind of where I wanted um, but at the same time I've, I've been quite surprised you know um, my aim initially was to be in the top five and, and, and challenge for podiums and then by the end of the year to try and get on those podiums and um, you know we didn't expect the dominance of the Ducati um, so yeah in my in my mind we're, we're in that fight with the Yamahas for that third place right now and we achieved it in Australia um, we battled for it in Aragon um, I felt we should have been there in Assen but we had a, a, a little issue with the tyre um, so we're close um, and you know my expectations of you know, beating Jonathan in this first year, um, we've been a lot closer than I thought at some races. Um, but then other times I feel that we've been a little bit on the back foot as well. Um, I've had a few little niggly injuries. I've had a trap nerve in the back for the last six weeks and an ankle operation that went wrong at Christmas has been playing up a little bit. But all in all, we're not a million miles away. Um, and when we get it right, we're, we're battling with the current four times world champion till the last lap, which we've done a few times. So... Position-wise, I'm a little disappointed in a few races. Um, in other races, I've been surprised how close we have been. So generally, I'm not too unhappy. Yeah, Philip Island obviously able to fight for the podium in all three races. And mm. since then, though, you mentioned the niggling injuries. But like, what's it actually like to get onto a bike and you know that you're below par to start with? I, in Thailand, I was really bad. I couldn't change direction. I was I was really struggling, and I'm not only struggling physically. I um, in my head, I had an image of how I needed to ride it at Thailand from my experience there in 2015. Um, and when I got there, I felt very, you know, not knowing where I needed to be on track, not knowing where the breaking points was, and I felt definitely a session or two behind. And but by, by the time I come to the race, I was the pace wasn't bad. I battled and got three fifths, but and the and the pace for the podium was nothing you know I, I, we could have been third but um, you know third fist was the result um, so yeah Thailand I struggled physically massively with my especially with my lower back um, Aragon I was much better I'd had, a, I'd had an ankle operation the week before um, but the stitches bust undone in race one so I was a little bit more irritable it wasn't restricting in a lap time but I, I struggled all weekend I didn't have the pace I struggled with a feeling from the bike and then the boys come up with a, a, a bit of a change basically overnight on the Saturday night and then I found myself in in the last race of the day on Sunday battling with Johnny till the last lap for the podium so for me that that was probably my best weekend even though the result didn't show it I found something with myself and the bike that allowed me to be struggling to be in the top eight to them battling for a third place with just a small change on the bike and at that stage we not really changed anything on the bike all year just tried to adapt myself to a different riding style and the setting that was um 
So then going into Assen, I was actually quite confident. We ran top three all weekend and felt really strong in, in, in practice. Um, done quite a few race runs, felt really prepared. And we, in both races, we had the front tire basically um, just disintegrate on the right side in uh, with eight, nine laps to go in both races. So what, again, should have been battling for a podium, I dropped back to, I think, a fifth and an eighth or wherever I finished in race two. And I was quite disappointed with that. Um, because I love Assen, I felt like I had good rhythm and good pace and the bike was working really well uh, and it was a problem that was definitely unforeseen so yeah we're learning we, that's the biggest word I could probably say with it all we're learning each race we definitely feel on the back foot learning because I'm having to adapt my riding style for each track and understanding where I need to change my riding style for this bike and how it needs to be ridden um, but when we do get it right as we've proven in Australia and in Aragon we, we can actually battle for the podium with Jonathan you know right to the last lap you're obviously one of the most experienced riders on the grid but in the three years that you went to BSB like how much has the grid changed how much has the field moved on how much of the bikes moved on um every year the manufacturers make steps um the, the people's the same, the level's the same as in riding, you know, everyone's just maximising their package. Um, you know, right now Ducati's made a big step with a package, uh, you know, that is the new benchmark. You know, before the last four years has been Jonathan with a Kawasaki um, and it's all about responding, it's all about keeping up and, you know, I remember in, when I was back in the day racing in GPs, I'd match the lap times from the year before but I'd be 15th, you know, everything moves on year by year, you know, tyre development, bike development and and obviously the riders learn year on year to get the most out of the package you know and not necessarily if you've had any improvements if you've got the same bike you'll get the more out of it in the second year so you know it, it is progressing as racing does um and it's nice to be in, in part of all that yeah, you mentioned the ducati as well obviously this year we've seen bautista win every race so far we've seen ducati with poles except for at the first race of the year with bautista but uh, like what is it that makes that bike have that edge um i think it's about 2000 rpm they've got on everybody and probably 20 30 horsepower um alvaro's riding it very well you know you can't take nothing away from how he's riding it he's he's coming to this championship with no i would say knowledge of how Pirelli's used to have to be ridden or how bikes needed to be set up or ridden um so he's coming with a fresh mindset with a, a new concept bike and Pirelli's brought out some new tyres, which in my opinion are much closer to, I would say, where Michelin and Bridgestone are at. So I believe that everybody else is is adapting the bikes, progressing the bikes for the new tyres, uh, understanding where the new limit is, um, as well as trying to uh, you know, progress that step to where Ducati's put the benchmark right now. Yeah, we've seen Bautista in particular try and carry a lot of corner speed and try and change how we've seen riders use these tyres in the last years. Like if you look at Kawasaki over the last few years, it was always about breaking in a straight line, stay on the, on the angle as little as possible. Yeah. Like, when a bike is designed and developed around that sort of riding style, like how difficult is it for Kawasaki or any of the other manufacturers to actually make a big change to try and allow them to ride a bit closer to what we're seeing from Bautista? Yeah, it, different styles come into it. I, I think, you know, when I say Alvaro's riding the maximum to that Ducati, he's riding it the maximum because it's so fast in a straight line. He doesn't have to worry too much about entry. He doesn't have to worry too much about getting a, you know, massive corner speed and rolling speed through the corner he can literally get it 
onto the fat part of the tire earlier and, and use that the speed and I believe that's what he's doing very very well and and that's why it's probably looking like a different riding style to to what others but for instance if we tried to do that with a I would say less speed on the top then we don't gain that advantage because it, it will only accelerate at the rate that it accelerates at and for me it's um it's interesting you know Australia is renowned to be really good you know he nearly got on the podium there in MotoGP and the lines that he was running there was a, a big eye-opener to you know getting it off the edge of the tyre using you know not going in quite as fast and using that exit but as you can see with you know the Italian Championship British Championship and World Championship um, you know they're pretty much dominating right now so for me that's exciting because I'm a part of a company that will react and will try and make that you know the bridge, uh, you know bridge that gap sort of thing. And uh, you mentioned there about Kawasaki putting the resources in. Obviously, they've also had their announcement about Suzuka for this year, and mm. yourself, Jonathan, and also Top Rack Rasgari Aldo on the bike shows just how important they're taking that race as well. Yeah, it was. It's all a little bit last minute this year, but you know something that I've been involved with now for this will be my fourth year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an amazing race um, to have the backing of Kawasaki. You know, Yamaha's dominated that for the last few years, so they're so desperate to bring that, you know, one or two percent more that we need. Um, last year, we was a little bit unlucky. Um, we was leading the race when we come into an issue, so we're close. Um, and to be teammates with Johnny and that, it's definitely really good to, you know, bring everyone together as a, as a big team effort. And then obviously just for yourself as well, like you come into the next third of the season, obviously here in Imola, Jerez, Mizano and Laguna before the summer break. But these four races, that really gives you the chance to be a bit fitter for one thing, but also you know, put the lessons to good use from the first four rounds. It is, um, you know, in testing, I felt like I changed and adapted so much. And when I did, we straight away matched the times that I should have been doing, you know, close to where Johnny was. Um, I do have some areas that are strengths, but also those strengths are uh, kind of making me a little bit inconsistent. So it is a, a big learning curve for me. Um, and I do know all the tracks coming up, so it's not an excuse of not knowing tracks, but it's knowing how to use my natural style and how to use my style that I would say Johnny uses. And certain corners work for me and certain corners don't. So it's analysing that in two 50-minute sessions that is my, I would say, my goal. Um, but when we do get it right, we're like I say, the exciting thing is that we're close. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait for these next races, especially Donington. Uh, you know, my home race is something that um, I even finished second with the Pachetti bike a couple of years ago so uh yeah i'm looking forward to that one obviously coming back from bsb to worlds like how big of a transition is that just in terms of like obviously in bsb the big thing talking point is always about no electronics and things like that but here you need to use a lot more power tracks are very different as well it is and um i find it easier going to a bike with no electronics because as long as you've got a connected throttle it does everything that you do and um with the electronics they're that good now they can mask so many problems you know if you look at the data i can go in faster run through the corner faster and get on the throttle earlier but i'm slower and um, and that's because of where you're accelerating what angle you're accelerating at and you you find more of a lap time analyzing the data of how you're riding it wrong than than what you actually feel when you're out on track because they do the electronics job so well it doesn't spin it doesn't let go it doesn't accelerate as well so it's analyzing them sort of areas that are, are key um and coming off of a bike that gave you all the feedback to a bike that kind of works at a much higher level it doesn't give me the feedback right now so i need to understand that and i need to understand how i need to ride it to get that feel to know where i can improve and where i can't okay thanks for joining us Neil. thank you